0: You know, as you're saying, I have no business experience, how dare I start a business? I think the biggest challenge that I found when I was working in schools or I've been working in other jobs is when I looked up to my manager or my manager's manager and looked at like where I could go with my career, it seemed unreachable.
1: There seems to be some narrative in certain publications, media, social media and certain circles around, Jen said, not being resilient, not being ready for work, being lazy even, being entitled, or any of this sort of terminology. What do you see? Gabby Mendez. This is a young lady who's trained to be a teacher and then, just as she started her career as a newly qualified teacher, found herself faced with questions from the young people she was teaching that they just weren't equipped for. How does a young generation in their early 20s get the knowledge they need to build their businesses, to get on in life, to deal with mortgages? That's where her inspiration came from to start her own business. Yet without any formal qualifications, without any training, she's built a great successful business supporting people of her generation to get on in life. Meet Gabby, I'm Richard Osborne, and this is Drive, the small business podcast from UKBF. Gabby, it's lovely to meet you.
0: It's lovely to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
1: The I I love do, uh, doing some of the sort of research, listening to some of the pre- previous podcasts you've been on, uh, because I, f- I could feel I could resonate so much because I'm a couple of years older than you. Um, my daughter turns 21 in a few weeks and she's run her own business since she was uh, just before she was 17 so just between 16 wow. and 17 and sort of looking at sort of how you've started your journey and what also you're representing and trying to help with talk 20s is uh, i just kept thinking about my daughter and what she's going through in starting her business and being a young entrepreneur it was fantastic
0: I'm really glad, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people kind of look to it and go, oh, I think I think Talk20s can help this person or I think your story can help this person because we've all been through it, right? Everyone goes through their 20s. Some of us choose to be entrepreneurs. Some of us choose to go into the what I call the normal world of work. Um, but but yeah, we, we try and help as many people as we can across their 20s because no one really talks about this really crazy part in your life where you're figuring out your purpose and where you fit in in the world. Um so, yeah, I'm really glad that it resonated for you.
1: I love nothing more than when I go into a school when I'm talking to some students about what you want to be and talking about their career choices. And there's some of them will turn around and say, I want to be a streamer, YouTuber. Mm -hmm. And there are many middle-aged or older generation people that will look at that and say, that's not a real job. And then... I love challenging that uh, opinion because I say, well, it's entertainment, isn't it? Entertainment generates money, it has sponsorship, it needs marketing, it needs, and you, you then turn it, it It generates income, it is a business. Uh, so, using that example, uh, your business, uh, you wanted to, it's, people can look at an event and say, okay, you have an event, you have sponsors, you charge tickets, whatever it might be, and it's a, uh, money in money out it's a business you Covid hit you had to pivot and you launched your business as a podcast um, they tell us about the business part of that um, it, it, you you launched a business and you you've mentioned in a brief another interview that you started, started as a hide, side hustle which I love that um, sort of term that is used but it is how so many people start their businesses It is. A side hustle mm-hmm. as you're getting up and growing so how was the business part of that in those first few months as it's in that phase
0: yeah so as you said like um talk 20s was a side hustle for uh, about 18 months um when i first started out like it was not turning over much money like i had some small sponsors i ran a few workshops i launched some prints um to go alongside it as i was just kind of growing the audience really and then it was i came to a real kind of um ahead with the with my full-time job uh, in events and talk 20s i knew i was so passionate and i knew that something was brilliant there that i could work with but at the same time events was making a comeback from covid and my career that i was working in required and demanded my attention like full-time like it was either i was really struggling to split and divide my attention so even i had like a monday off work to work you drop down to four days i had a monday off work and even just that one day just was not enough and i had to come to a point where i was like do i believe in this business enough to leave my full-time job and give it a go and i had saved up some savings for six months or so and I phoned my parents and I was like I'm gonna give it a go and if it all fails in six months I will go and get another job and we will just go from there Um, and within six months I was in some really deep uh, discussions with potential investors who wanted to help me launch and grow it and all of those kind of things and eventually I actually managed to figure out on my own and Yep, now we've got, like, you know, a, a team. So I've got two in my two full-timers in my team now and then about 10 freelancers that help work and grow the business. But a lot of people looked at it at first and was like, that's not a business. That's just a podcast. Like, how can you make money from that? And we're very, very, very judgmental because they didn't really understand the concept or the power or the wider mission of what we were doing. And it wasn't just a podcast where we were just chatting about rubbish and, it, you know, it was a whole mission our whole value was to try and create this platform and community where young people could feel like they weren't stupid for not knowing these things and it's absolutely fine to want to to learn these things later in life but do it in a fun and uh, entertaining kind of way it didn't have to be boring it didn't have to feel like going back to school and i was just so tunnel vision on this mission that um, we've managed to kind of make it a success. So now our headline sponsors are Zopa Bank. Um, and so they, we work with them through brand partnerships to raise their brand awareness throughout everything that we do. And we work with other brands. I do a lot of speaking events um, and speaking gigs as well um, to grow the brand and the company.
1: One of the best pieces of, uh, it's a YouTube video I watched and I've saved it and referred to it very often was a lecture by somebody called alan watts who basically talks about what if money was no object and find something you're passionate about uh throw yourself into that and you'll naturally do it really well and become really good at it and uh, the demand for it that can be your lifestyle that is your business that you build up uh, and as he was talking and he was uh, talking about the prints and bits that you did it's, um, it's about the branding and the marketing, which, uh, just listen to you talk, you spoke about it as just, it's just you just do that, you just do that. Um, it's almost like you instinctively know how to build a brand and how to do the marketing to actually push that without having any, you know, going to university and studying a marketing degree. It just came naturally to you.
0: Oh, that's a nice observation. Uh, it feels like, I guess it does feel like that's some kind of, days I wouldn't say that I'm an expert like in in any of these kind of things but often people do come to us and say we love how you came up with this idea and what made you think of that and I'd be like it just felt like the right next natural step of what to do in order to kind of do this so you know I'm a huge observer of what other people are doing um and I think often we feel like uh, we don't feel like we are can be experts in something unless we've kind of been to university or we've got this knowledge to kind of back us up. But sometimes you just need to go with an idea um, and like you know taking in an ed- I, I don't know an educated and informed guess to go. Okay, let's give this a go in terms of marketing or branding and stuff like that. And we'll use I'm am a big big believer in data and analytics to inform what you, strategy. Um, So whilst it might seem like we have loads of fun side of things, a lot of what we're doing is kind of really deep diving into, okay, why did that piece of content really work? Why was that episode so valuable to young people? We've had so many people come in and say that they've loved this episode. Why do we think that is? And then we just use that to continuously inform what we do and i think if you take that kind of fact-based approach to it you can't really go wrong because you're listening to exactly what your audience wants and then they're helping steer you and navigate you so we're launching 20s Vest in um autumn of 2023 and we are being really open with how we are launching and growing that company through vlogs and through openly talking about how we're growing the company we're asking them things from like who would you like to see at the event what do you think of different branding and different concepts and stuff and which venue do you like the most and we are asking our audience to help us grow and develop this event because they feel like they are part of it then. They feel like it's something that they've been involved in, even if they've just left a comment to say, I like venue two more than I like venue three. They feel like they've had some kind of say in helping pull this event together. And so it really does end up with that kind of collaborative community feel of what it is we're trying to grow.
1: You just mentioned there a moment ago that you have a lot of analytical data and you really look through the, to use a business and KPIs, um, stats Mm -hmm. to make your decisions. How did you learn to do that?
0: Uh, Like I said, I'm quite like business minded and I'm quite an analytical person. I love to know why something has worked. And we've always, I think we've pulled it into the business a lot more since we've had um, sponsors and partners involved where we have to report into them. We have to tell them our figures. We have to tell them our stats. And it would be really stupid to look at those stats and not take any information from that in terms of informing our content as we go forwards. So we've just taken a really kind of factual based approach. So we have all our data that we share with our sponsors and our partners. However, we also have our own databases where we are working out, okay, we reached this amount of people on social media this week we've reached this amount of people with our episode this week why do we think that is and it's about pulling in kind of the quantitative and the qualitative data because you know we can see the stats and the figures but then we also have people messaging and commenting and and uh, writing into the podcast as well and all of that is kind of valuable information so it's really nice to be able to look at back at that stuff and see how far we've come so i could potentially tell you exactly how many followers we had across social media back in november of last year so that we can track that growth because how do we know if we're doing well if we're not tracking this so again i guess it's one of those things that came kind of instinctually um but has been kind of vital in us in our growth
1: you've just answered my next question really is mm-hmm. um is it instinct or is it uh, have you because because as we've already covered, you've not—it's not like you've gone and studied business, and your parents haven't run a business, so you've not had sort of the business management guidance for, uh, in your upbringing. Uh, so, where do you gain the knowledge of doing—you know—the boring part of business, but is vitally important in measuring the, the success making sure you're on the right track? You just it. it mm-hmm. um, It seems surreal, but it seems to come instinctively. Uh,
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think conversations like this give me really big imposter syndrome (laughs) because it makes me reflect on the fact that, like, you know, as you're saying... I have no business experience. How dare I start a business like this and try my hardest to kind of do this? And I think what we're trying to do is kind of challenge the norm at Talk20s and that you know pushing past imposter syndrome is really important. Like even if someone says, you haven't got your business experience, you haven't got parents to help and guide you, that doesn't mean that it's impossible to kind of realize your vision, especially if you're so passionate and you keep coming back to that why. So for me, I'm always coming back for, why does Talk20s exist? we've uh, we've found a gap in the market we will find a way to help young people as much as we possibly can and i think with that you can't really go wrong like it does all come instinctually but that's because we keep coming back to that why why are we helping young people
1: now as uk business forums we did a research piece which was harder to do than we thought it would be because the data's not open and easy to access and we even found some of the information we were asking hmrc for they just didn't have so we had to pull together but ultimately at the end of it we found that about 10,000 16 or 17 year olds start their own business every year which is quite a large number and those 16 or 17 year olds have had zero business education literally zero they've learned how to do a bit of algebra or um, read a map in geography class or whatever it might be The like typical like secondary school education, stop, and they've not gone on to college or university, they've gone out and started their own business. The now I mentioned earlier, so my daughter's uh, run her own business since she was 16, and um, she's got home experience to help her with that. Yeah, you started a business in your early 20s, the um, um and haven't gone to university or to learn how to do business. I see this, but we can't get away from, there seems to be some um, narrative in certain publications, media, social media and certain circles um, around, Jen said, um, not being resilient, not um, being ready for work. Um, the uh, being lazy, even or uh, being entitled, or any of this sort of uh, terminology. Uh, now, you, your whole op- setup, your business, Talk Twenties, is about supporting um, people of this age uh, with some of the things, life skills, and lessons, and learn to learn that aren't they don't learn along their younger years. What do you see, and what do you think about that?
0: Uh, I think we're a generation that frequently gets called sh- stupid things like snowflakes and not resilient, all these kind of things, and I think it's absolute rubbish. Um, I think we're just seeing the world in a completely different way to previous generations. And I think it massively stems from uh, young people wanting to feel fulfilled and passionate about the the companies that they work for. So they probably aren't as um, excited about just the day-to-day getting up, going to work for money and all this kind of job stuff, they want to feel like, well, most part, the ones that I'm seeing, they want to feel like they are adding value, like they are making a difference, whether that's nursing and helping someone get better, to teaching, to helping someone in that degree, to launching their own business, to solve a problem that they see. There are young people who are really trying to focus in on the passion side of things. There's no denying that a lot of people will say, Well, I've got someone working in my organization and they're Gen Z and they're lazy and they just want to work from home and they will only do things with inside their job description. And I think I think young people are just getting better with boundaries as well. I think that's another thing that we're kind of seeing come come up and through is that, you know, there is this massive talk of like four day working weeks and and kind of how we're helping young people how sorry how we're helping everyone with their workplace well-being and all those conversations are coming in how can you not expect a generation to come up who are really expecting a lot from their employer because they expect to give a lot to their employer so they're there trying to say well look i'm giving you more my time and energy my 35 or 38 40 hours a week i want to feel like I am either helping or can feel good about this and can move forward with that. And I think there's a lot more young people that are pushing for that that this moment in time. With any generation, you're gonna get people who are lazy, who don't care. That's just normal. That's happened for generations and generations. But I don't think we're any different. I just think we're a little bit more passion and fulfillment led, which kind of gets us into this situation where people think that like, oh, they don't care or they don't do this because it's usually as a result of coming back to like them not feeling either included, involved, supported or passionate about what it is that they're working for. But what what is it that you see, Richard? The um mm-hmm.
1: I've got I've got two polar sort of thoughts on this. So the first part um and then I'll move on to like another question I've got to to sort of play devil's advocate on a statement I have heard you say on another podcast. So, the first part is I'm, uh, and it's, I've got some Gen Z as I look slightly to my left. So, the, if you're, as an employer, if you're looking for somebody to bring up through your organization, in my opinion, you're looking for exceptional people. And these people will um, demonstrate that uh, they go that extra mile and then you reward them appropriately now making sure that everybody is um, has all the tools they need to do the job they got they've got all the right level of training and support around them Uh, and you're not uh, you know I don't expect people to be contactable at weekends and on holiday or in the evenings you have your homework that sort of thing to me just is natural the but when um, sort of picking up on your comment about I'm giving my all my 35 hours Um, and then you said a sort of a a moment or two before there about um, a younger generation of becoming more aware of setting the boundaries now if somebody comes in if they're hired to do a job and they come in for 35 hours and do that job that is fantastic and you are in the perfect position for that job but if you want to do that job the next tier up then as an employer in my opinion i'm looking for somebody that can demonstrate they can do that job so by doing that go a little bit beyond this job to show me that you can do those bits and then i will support you in doing that Um, and i've got like some of my management team Um, one of them's been with me since he left university and another one she's been with me since she left high school secondary school Um, now they both run departments within the whole business that I've trained and developed and brought them up as two examples. The So my in my opinion, if you want to career development, then you need to go a bit beyond. But if you're happy in a particular pigeonhole or in a particular role, that's absolutely fine as well. There's no actual right or wrong. It just depends what the person wants in their career. I, th-
0: I think that's true if you have the right employer though. Because sometimes you can go, like, sounds like you are that right employer, where you can go above and beyond and you will be rewarded. But I think what a lot of young people are realising that if they do go above and beyond, it is it is expected and as them and they're not actually getting any kind of recognition for going that above and beyond. So there are false promises that are made. If you do this, this and this, we'll promote you by this date and stuff like that. You've got to feel motivated by your employer, to think that, like, if I do put in this extra bit of effort that is eating into my evenings, that is taking me out of my free time, my own time, like that, that it is going to be for the benefit in the long run. And I think it's just kind of having that real transparency because you can't do it like and just do it. In, you know, I've got friends who have gone above and beyond for years and years and years and end up leaving feeling leaving a job feeling really like jaded because they're like my employer did not acknowledge once that I went above and beyond my job description and I was promoted or I was given this or I was doing that so in an ideal world I really do think that that is what happens but in reality quite often there are people who are stepping above and beyond and it just doesn't doesn't come come recognized so they end up leaving for another company that is going to value them that is going to give them that fulfillment that is going to appreciate them for the extra hours that they are putting in so i think i i kind of agree with you and then i kind of think like there is there's also two sides to that as well um whereas if you're going above and beyond because you want to progress and your progression isn't really helped or supported by your employer then you are just gonna leave and then that employer might think oh they were a snowflake they just they weren't very resilient or they can say all of those kind of things but actually it's it's a two-way street
1: i think um because we're, we're drifting onto what i think is quite an, another question i've got um because i agree with you when it comes to employers there are good employers and there are bad employers and age of employers is irrelevant it's just the character i'm a firm believer that the culture of a business reflects the culture of its leadership and if uh, right from the top so you have to you know the very top leadership has to instill the culture and that will flow down throughout the organization and and if it's toxic or um, unsupportive at the top it'll be toxic and unsupportive at the bottom the Mm -hmm. one of the things you've mentioned in the past is that a younger generation are more willing to chop and change and job hop uh, to use uh, an expression and mm-hmm. the that might link into what we've just been speaking about but I wanted to chat about that for a part uh, to uh-huh. use uh-huh. to play devil's advocate uh, as a good employer the if you're going to invest in somebody that investment comes at in a time and monetary cost uh, whether you know whether it's paying for certain training courses whether that's investment in time in training somebody up uh, and if that, person is likely to hop across and change job frequently then that investment is lost so
0: it's like a bartering that's going on isn't it it's like it is and I completely get what you're saying you're you're kind of saying well an employer's going to hold off from investing in and giving training and offering and promoting that young individual because they're scared that they might leave and at the same time that young person is like well there's no promises of me kind of if I put in this amount of hours I'm going to get training opportunities that I'm going to progress and grow so each one is kind of like fighting against each other to kind of you know do that and I think in my opinion you have to just have good faith in that person that that everything you are putting into that person is, is is creating who they are I'm an employer so I kind of have that belief I have you know young people that work across my business and I believe that we should give them as much time and energy and learning as we possibly can I keep saying to Georgia and my team when she's training up the, the team that work in her, her social team her freelancers and stuff like that She's kind of scared to like pass on her skills and her knowledge of what she does in the business. And I said, "But if you don't do that, you're you're never going to be able to 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 progress and grow up through this company because you'll still be doing the day to day. Like we really have to pass on this knowledge. We really have to ensure that the that that people are going to learn and grow from this. And if they come and go, they will come and go. But I think the other thing about it is is that employers should look and and if you're thinking about it from an employee employer perspective, the way I look at it is like if a person is that if an employee is there for you at the right time and they're the right fit that's really great but there might become a point where they they don't feel like they're a right fit for your company anymore and they're better off somewhere else and that probably means that if they had stayed at your company they wouldn't be producing or growing in in the same kind of way because they don't feel like they're a part of it or it's not there it's not aligned with their values anymore so i don't think we should villainize job hopping as we're calling it as much as we should because i think it's just a realigning of values and people will come and go and shape your business help shape your business at all different times um and yeah i think i think this is a difficult one because it's like it's a bit like a chicken and egg scenario isn't it like you don't want want to invest because you're scared they're gonna leave then they don't want to invest because they're scared that they won't get the opportunity out of it so it's a tricky one really tricky one
1: the um uh, that's a really good explanation and I like that and I also a firm believer in that people will move through the business uh, and move on to other roles so I'm really fortunate that there are some uh, well fortunate and then also a bit of a double-edged sword most people who have worked for me have gone on to start their own businesses And we've ended up working with these organizations, you know, their own businesses Mm. that we've ended up outsourcing work to them or working with them or supporting their business growing. Uh, So a bit of a double-edged sword, but it is, um, I have a really good relationship with everybody who over the last years has worked with me and moved on. Um, Apart from two, I have had to sack a couple of people, but very rare, very rare. Mm -hmm. The... Mm -hmm. uh, You've mentioned you've got a couple of staff now. So you, uh, on your shoulders, you have two people's livelihoods that you're responsible for. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a massive burden to have. i uh, <laughs> not trying to like <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it is. And it's something that's often overlooked by people who have never run their own businesses. When you take on staff, you take on the responsibility that these people depend on you. Uh, Mm -hmm. the how did it feel taking that first step and taking on that first person and that overhead of employing somebody
0: um I would say it's like a whole new level of adult life unlocked (laughs) (laughs) that's how I would describe it it is a whole new level um and I think I was really fortunate that my first employee um is a young person called Georgia and I've really been able to kind of shape and help her set up her life adult adult life and success really and she really has become such an integrated part of Talk 20 so she is going through the exact process that all of our listeners are going through so it's got to the point where she has moved out from her home she's rented her first flat for the first time she's navigating managing her finances trying to pay off her student overdraft and she is experiencing everything that we're talking about in the business so it feels very natural that she is going through all of these kind of things and then we talk about it all the time on the podcast so we have a very open dialogue and I think that's how I kind of want to continue um as an employer kind of going forwards I know I'm always going to be a little bit as we grow and get bigger and stuff I'm always gonna be a little bit removed and someone's manager's manager and whatever but I think the fact that we will the position that we are in where we work with you know other young people we kind of get it we kind of get that situation so For me, like, I've just been honest and open and transparent um, about as many things as I possibly can. And, yeah, it's been a bit of a a nerve-wracking one. But at the same time, like, a privilege to be in this position because not many business owners um, will get to the point where they can start employing other people. And, yeah, I feel very lucky and fortunate that that is the case for us and hopefully will continue to be the case.
1: And a little while ago, you mentioned as you were sort of trying sort of getting your business up and running you was in quite sort of progressed conversations with potential investors but then you opted yeah. not to and you was able to fund mm-hmm. it yourself uh, mm-hmm. a previous uh, guest i've had on here did go through the journey of bringing in investors and then his advice that he gave during the podcast was uh if you can do it yourself without investors then do it yourself don't bring in investors uh, because it brings in a whole new change of dynamic for your business and um, did you go through that same sort of decision tr- tree or th- th- process and you know what was why did you start talking to investors why did you not end up going with investment and and um, what was the journey or challenges you faced funding it yourself
0: uh, probably very similar to the previous person you had on the podcast in that I found it extremely challenging uh to be in that situation where things were changing and also like i think when you have a vision for the event and you're speaking to a very specific demographic that you know in and out when someone is really trying to push you in a direction that you just categorically know just won't work mm-hmm. and even though it's like instinctual we probably have the data to back it up somewhere it's really hard to have those conversations if ultimately you have been uh, written out of uh, the ultimate decision-making process because things change a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that the process was that I went through was a bad one. I was in talks with investors for eight months um, about the whole process of what it would be like. We were basically working together for a long period without any kind of formal contract being signed. But ultimately, in the end, I felt like the deal that was on offer was not fair for what had... Um, what I had built on my side and, uh, again, was kind of being overlooked in a lot of, a lot of different things. So I decided to kind of take a step back and say, look, I think it's possible to do, um, solo, um, and took that plunge and then took on my first employee. Um, so I really did dive in at the deep end. Um, and I'm really grateful for, for the, um, the potential investors that I, I spoke with it just wasn't aligned we just didn't have the same vision in the end and like I said the the deal that was on the table wasn't a fair reflection of of what I had built at that moment in time so I kind of had no choice but to kind of pull out um but yeah like I would say that it was I'm glad I went through the process but it's made me really wary of taking on future investors and I'm very particular like I have I I I wouldn't say I get approached a lot, but I get asked to do quite a lot of like pitches, and and the common norm is like if you're trying to grow a company, you you should be looking for investment, and that's the only narrative that I kind of get thrown at as an as a as an entrepreneur. And I don't believe it's the it's the only or the right way. I I wouldn't ever say no to investment. I just they would have to be the right and the most perfect fit, and I didn't feel like those previous investors were the right or perfect fits at all in the end uh, at first i did i really did otherwise obviously wouldn't have spoken to them for eight months but towards the end i just felt like it didn't didn't feel right anymore so yeah it was a scary plunge to take but definitely the right one and you know we're still in touch and we still support each other's businesses and there's no bad blood
1: the, um that's really good to hear and it sounds like the it sounds like you came to the right decision in that because when i'm giving advice to people looking for investment It all very much is um, why Uh, why do you need the investment and the what are you prepared to give up for it because the uh, generally speaking there are exceptions edge cases but generally speaking an investor is only putting money in to make more money uh, further down the line to take it back it's a business transaction uh, and they will have their own ideas and that involves giving up an element of control of the business and the direction of the business and it becomes then very much a compromise. And is that what the business founder wants or not? Uh, it's a very personal case. It sounds like he came, you know, to what many would say was is the right decision process unless you have a very specific objective. Like I want investment because I want to take this product, take it today within three years and then sell and be done. That's very transactional, very easy. Uh, So you funded it all yourself, took on your first member of staff. Uh, So how are things now?
0: Uh, Well, it's a very exciting time that we're in because we're literally in the phase of launching 20s Fest. So we're basically launching a new product, which is really exciting. Um, It's quite an innovative event. It's not really been done before what we're launching. So we really do feel like we're treading new territory every single day. but ultimately, I, I love what we're doing and I love what we're building and um, yeah, it's growing it's growing really quickly, which is which is fab and hopefully towards the end of the year we'll be in a position to take on more team members um, and grow the business um, post 20s Fest in October. So yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so the what if you imagine say 2025 uh, and think of uh your business what do you see
0: i think for me i would love to see a business that so ultimately what we're trying to do is build a community that is both in person and digitalized and helps people with a really specific point or element of life and i think that what we're learning from all the data analytics and all of this kind of stuff is like really really valuable but i think it's something that you can probably pick up and move to move that knowledge into a different community that's having challenges with a different area of life be it a different decade different generation be it um a specific demo- demographic a specific you know maybe business experts and stuff like that so i think ultimately maybe not by 2025 but ultimately our goal would be to create a kind of overarching media company that sits on top of talk 20s and 20s fest that kind of helps promote community first led digital platforms and um and in-person events that is our whole goal and mission so i think for 2024 so 2023 24 2024 2025 it is to continue with this momentum of growing uh so by 2025 we should have had Uh, three rounds of 20s Fest. Um, We should have grown the podcast exponentially and I think we'll hopefully be in a place to help launch more communities with the knowledge that we've built from what we've done this time round. We are ever changing with the social media platforms that we're growing um, and and developing and adapting our content to fit in with the current trends that are going on. So I believe that that kind of knowledge is adaptable for not just what we're building with Talk20s, although it's super like valuable in our mission, I think there might be ways that we can bring in new partners, new um, profiles and uh, media personalities to continue to create more of these like-minded communities so yes it's the other thing i should probably also say is that we're we're from the north so we have our um, my accent doesn't sound like that but i've lived in liverpool near liverpool for seven years now and we strongly believe that um a business like this can and should exist outside of london uh we have many guests that come into the studio that to record the talk 20s podcast that travel from all over the uk and they always come to liverpool and they absolutely love it they want to move here they think (laughs) it's great and we strongly believe that like what we're building is possible um in the north just as much as it would be in london you don't just have to be Uh, create in London to be creative there's so much more going on across the country so yeah we'd like to build a a kind of big media and events company based in the northwest that helps with many challenges the first being helping young people navigate their first steps into adult life
1: I think um, with all the damage that it did the positive that COVID the pandemic did do is it really accelerated remote working um, making the world a smaller place and decentralizing so much business from London and making it more accessible mm-hmm. to the rest of the country, uh, which you're, you are mentioned in your seeing with yourself there. I've been to Liverpool, so um, I, you know, I, I can relate to what you're referring to there and sort of the city itself and just the, the um, just the atmosphere within there as well. So, um, uh, haven't been there for a few years. I'll have to pop up post pandemic mm-hmm. and see. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah, that's a great place. With um, um, running your own business does have highs and lows. You mentioned imposter syndrome when things are going exceptionally well, and sort of your uh, the individual yourself would be worth of a pat on the back, and then you sort of start to doubt yourself, and that happens for everybody. Um, the no matter who they are, the and then you have moments where. The things are just not going the way you want them to do or things are not going well. And then you starting to question yourself again, whether you're worthy of doing it because you can't do it and those sort of parts. And at those low points, what motivates you to pick yourself up and just keep fighting on?
0: I think it's really hard. I think especially this generation, we live in like a world where we feel like constantly validated through social media, through likes, comments, um, reshares, all of those kind of things. Uh, So I think it would be uh, wrong for me to suggest that uh, it's not those things that definitely help pick me up, but because they do, like they really do. When someone sends in a message to say, this podcast episode really helped me, it's a reminder of what you're doing and the reason why you're doing it. So I have a little... uh, Uh, screenshot folder in my picture camera roll that says it's called the hype files and every time someone says something good about the podcast no matter what mood I'm in I will screenshot it and I will put it in the folder of the hype files and if I am having a rubbish day where I'm like why on earth did I decide to quit my job and launch a business and hire people and do all of these really stressful things I go into the hype files and it's just a constant reminder of why i did this like why i launched it who it's helping who are the people that are coming back to us and saying that it really helped them and that's a really nice grounding tool for kind of making me feel like it's okay like it's and i've seen people do this with their emails as well so if you get a really nice email thank you you can do it in work you can do it in any kind of business you run a really nice positive email put it in a folder so that when you're feeling a bit down you can go in there and be like no I, I realize why I'm doing this now so that really helps pick me up um and sometimes you just need space between you and your business sometimes I'm in the business so much that I feel like I'm coming up against a brick wall I've got a problem I'm trying to solve and it just doesn't seem to be getting solved and I keep bashing up against this brick wall sometimes separation is the best thing taking a day Uh, you know, going making sure you get your holidays, making sure you get your rest times, taking a step away because sometimes the best uh, ideas I've had to face a certain challenge in my business have been on a run or on a train or on something that that, you know that isn't me sat on my laptop and and doing my work. So, yeah,
1: and um, sticking to the name of the podcast, what is it that you're driving towards um, your personal ambition?
0: my personal ambition is to for myself is to create a business that can support me and uh the rest of the young people that end up working for me uh to feel passionate and to love and feel fulfilled by their jobs and if i'm not doing that, um, then I would be really upset. Um, but then obviously the extension of that is to create a business that young people feel inspired by, supported by and connected to. Um, and that will be the same as we grow to reach other communities as well um, through the media and events company we're uh, hoping to launch. And it,
1: has that changed from when you first started it? And do you think that change over the coming years?
0: It has absolutely changed from when i first started my expectations were low (laughs) when i first started out i hope to kind of just put her on a really small event and just be like oh yeah I've just done it once and um maybe like 10 episodes of a podcast i didn't expect to be where i was today so absolutely things have changed um because i think i've started to reaffirm what is possible for someone because i think all that imposter syndrome came in at the beginning i was like i can't possibly run a business i can't possibly have employees and i think you know, I've been telling myself, No, you absolutely can. I've been showing myself, No, you absolutely can. Um and I think, yeah, the future will look very different as we start to bring in new, you know, different um, you know, directors to the business, um and and, and people within the company, they will help shape it and move it forwards in the direction that it needs to go. We are also a business that pivots with the times. So when COVID came, we pivoted. When uh things have changed in, in with different social media platforms, TikTok, you know taking the world by storm we pivoted so i couldn't possibly tell you what the future of this business looks like because in some kind of ways because we will pivot to move with the times and what is on trend and what works for young people at that moment in time and the best ways of communicating with them at that moment in time so yeah ultimately yes it will change
1: okay, thank 100%. you. and um what was uh looking back over the last few years yourself what would be the biggest piece of advice you'll give to a younger generation person thinking of starting their own business
0: I think it's to um to just start like it's it's one of the most basic simplest piece of advice but I see a lot of young people um feeling like they have to take on so much knowledge before they can even get started and actually you learn so much through doing and, and through getting started. Um, so it's important to equip yourself with the knowledge uh, from wherever you're getting it from, from parents, from podcasts, from school, from us. Um, but then I think it's really important to take action in the direction that you are heading to go. So whatever it is you're, you're hoping to do with your business, get started. Get out there, start selling, create a website, start connecting with the people that you're trying to help through your business. Um, and ultimately keep believing in yourself because it is possible because I didn't believe in myself enough when I was younger. Uh,
1: but listening to you and talking to you today, so much comes instinctively to you. So you've done really well. Thank you very much for, <laughs> oh, thank for sharing. You it's been fantastic talking to you, Gabby. Thank you for listening to this episode of Drive. I hope you found it insightful and useful But before I go, have a look at the app you're listening to this podcast on. See that follow button? Give it a press and you'll be notified of all future episodes as they come out. It also helps us understand where most of our followers are and where to really be pushing this podcast to.